Welcome to the show. You are now part of Reveal, the revenue intelligence podcast powered by Gong. We're your hosts, Devin Reed. And I'm Sheena Badani. Revenue intelligence is a new way of operating based on customer reality instead of opinions, making data-driven decisions based on facts instead of opinions or guesswork. And it's made up of three success pillars, people success, deal success, and strategy success. You know, the things all revenue teams need and care about. Every week, we interview senior revenue professionals, and they share their stories and insights on how they leverage revenue intelligence to drive success and win their market. You'll hear how modern go-to-market teams win as a team, close revenue with critical deal insight, and execute their strategic initiatives, plus all the challenges that come along with it. Hey, everybody. We are back with another episode. Sheena, how's it going? I am doing great. How is Thursday treating you so far? It almost feels like it should be Sunday because, like, this week has been really long. I don't know how to explain it. I did the thing where I woke up on Wednesday thinking it was Thursday and then woke up Thursday thinking it was Friday. So I guess I'm taking tomorrow off is the outcome here. Uh, Today we got to hang out with one of the senior executives over at LinkedIn, uh, Leika Doshi. She's the VP of Global Operations. And you guys actually knew each other and know each other. Yes, since I'm not – I guess I will date myself. Probably, like, 2005 – ish is uh-huh. when I met her. Okay. Um, so have known her for a long time and have been kind of following her footsteps in, in some ways. Yeah. So maybe one day I will also be a VP of a public company that gets acquired by Microsoft and who knows what happens to it. <laughs> I would be okay with that. And maybe one day she'll become a podcast host. You'll switch. Yeah, those. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was really cool because I think just like sales enablement means something different to pretty much any company you ask, there's definitely overlap. I think Revenue operations, sales operations, operations in general also mean something different. And it was cool to hear that Lega had a lot of responsibility, a lot of teams that roll up to her. Um, and the thing that really brought it all together was alignment. That was a theme that I heard throughout the entire interview. 100%. Yeah. I'm aligned with you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we are really syncing up here. Uh, well, cool. So let's go ahead and dive into the interview with Lega Doshi. Hi, everybody. We're here today with Leika Doshi, who is the VP of Global Operations at LinkedIn. Welcome, Leika. Thank you. Super exciting to have Leika here today. We actually have worked together, and I have like almost followed some of your footsteps in the past. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny. So we were both at Cal together. We were both at Bain together. Mm-hmm. So we're super excited to have you here today. Maybe we'll just get right into it with a couple questions. So VP of Global Operations, can you help us understand what that means and what it means to you? Yeah, sure. So I partner really closely with our sales organization to operate our teams. Um, We have a global team of over 5,000 sellers here at LinkedIn. And so as you can imagine, there's a lot that goes behind the scenes and Mm -hmm. making sure things run smoothly and that we're hitting our growth targets and we're doing uh, things more efficiently and, you know, making the right investments across the organization. Um, So ops to me is a few different things. It's strategy, thinking around the long term, how are we going to pull together this massive asset base, our people, to hit some of our our strategic goals. And so Mm -hmm. it's it's a long-term vision, three to five years usually. Um, So that's one piece of the work that we do. Then there's the operational, which is day-to-day, keeping a pulse on the business, you know, making sure things run on time. And then anything that comes on our plates when it comes to changes that are occurring in the organization, new product launches, new uh, ways to think about organizing our teams, um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's what my teams are involved in. 
So you've been at LinkedIn for quite some time, yeah. seven years, I think, to be exact. Would love to hear a little bit about what has kept you there at LinkedIn and what's made you loyal to the company. Yeah, I have been there a long time. So I think at LinkedIn, I think seven and a half years is considered like dinosaur. <laughs> so uh, I have been there a long time. And I would say uh, it's such an easy decision every day for me to go into work and stay at LinkedIn. Uh, there's a few reasons that I've loved working at LinkedIn. One, first and foremost, like the mission and the vision. I mean, it's really hard not to get behind our vision of creating economic opportunity for every member of the global workforce. It's pretty inspiring. Mm -hmm. And one in which, like, it's with the assets that we have on our platform, like, we can actually do it. And so that's definitely a really good reason to go into work every day. The second is the people. The people are amazing, um, and you can probably attest to that as someone that's worked there. Um, the people are, you know, we have a really strong culture, and our culture is also built on a strong set of values. So I feel really lucky going to work every day, working with essentially my friends, and then also people that are really principled in their decision making. You may not agree with everything that's done, but you feel like the why behind why we're doing things at LinkedIn makes total sense. It, I'm sure like as you are there at the company, you're helping to create and build that culture and instill that in new team members. How do you get them bought into the vision and bought into the way of doing things and maybe even sussing that out when you're when you're looking for new folks on your team? Trying to interview for cultural fit is always a hard thing. Right? Yeah. It's like, it's so hard. And you might also fall into the trap of actually your own internal biases because the natural way to actually get folks that have a good cultural fit is just actually to get referrals from people within yeah. our own company. Yeah. So uh, that is actually something that I struggle with actually as I'm thinking about growing my team and getting folks from a variety of different backgrounds. Like how do you, the bar for getting the cultural fit piece right during an interview process is actually really hard. Once folks actually get to LinkedIn, it's actually pretty easy, but the cultural value piece is like really hard. You have to make some talent decisions pretty quickly based on what you see. One of our tenants is uh, relationships matter. And so one mm -hmm. of the things that we encourage all our new employees to do in the beginning is rather than just like onboarding on the stuff that you need to learn to get up to speed on your day-to-day -day work is actually spend some time just meeting people. Mm -hmm. because relationships do matter and mm -hmm. like you're going to get a lot done and um, that way and also it's a good way to onboard on how to like how do we operate here what are our cultural values and if you spend that time investing in relationships you can get that done so you currently lead a big sdr team that's like yeah. one of the many orgs that you are running and it represents about 40 percent of all new business yeah. what are some of the most interesting or most successful strategies that you've been able to deploy with the team to make them as successful in contributing to the business as they have been able to? So the SDR team, it's it sits in various organizations at different companies. At LinkedIn, it sits in operations, and that means it sits between sales and marketing. And so one, of the, so one of the things that makes it really, what's made us really successful at least, is being, having the strong cross-functional collaboration with both our marketing partners and sales partners. Mm -hmm. And that's like super important to get right. Because if you're not on the same page, your operations and then also the way that you measure the business and also just how you are coordinated, just is, you're going to become uncoordinated if you're not yeah. on the same page. So uh, that's super important. I feel like uh, many times that's not prioritized yeah. uh, in other companies. So the uh, partnership has been super important. It's really a nice conduit between the two functions. 
I, I would I would actually advocate for it. The other nice thing about having um, SDRs in operations is it should filter out leads that are not necessarily good context for our sales channel. Maybe it's better for our online channel or just not actually leads at all yeah. mm -hmm. and save time for our sales organization and then channel that to sales, get a feedback loop from sales, get a feedback loop from marketing. Like that's very operational in nature. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. not just about selling it's about making sure that works mm -hmm. no it makes sense i think a lot of times it's the revenue teams are like no they're part of the revenue number so we want them or marketing is like well they're part of leads so they should be on our team <laughs> yeah and your guys is kind of like well, let's focus on alignment yeah first and put them in operations and it kind of forces both sides to come together yes exactly I like that a lot. about how many folks are on the sdr org so i can give listeners a scale idea yeah there's about uh around 350 um what were some of the challenges that you guys ran into once you kind of hit that 100 plus mark the alignment piece is, is a big one, mm -hmm. right? Even though we say that we're, we're focused on it, it, it is always going to be a challenge and we are, we're constantly working on it, especially since we're actually, of the four B2B businesses, we support three of them, basically mm -hmm. our software businesses. Mm -hmm. So as a result, even though we have pretty large scale, there's always a question of should we actually be subscale for to meet the needs of the specific lines of businesses. Those are like some of the challenges. Uh, some of the other challenges is consistency uh, and quality of our talent. I feel like we're really fortunate to have a great talent pipeline at LinkedIn with great SDRs. But naturally, when you have hundreds of people, like there's always going to be some folks that are not meeting the bar. And so actively coaching and performance managing so that you are meeting that bar consistently for all lines of businesses and all reps. We're global. So then this is also <laughs> yeah. uh, a question around subscale and like languages and how do you meet those needs? Um, mm -hmm. How do you um, handle leads of different languages and how do you make sure they're routed yeah. to the right people? How do you ensure that you have the right capacity? This is like all operational questions, by the way. And again, supporting the whole uh, notion of why SDR should be in operations. Yeah, but yeah. the other thing that SDRs, like the organization is supposed to be doing is actually creating a talent pipeline to ensure that you're forecasting out a few years out where the, the talent demand is going to be as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, everyone. In every episode, we have a data breakout, a quick sidebar to look at the data. CSO Insights asks sales leaders how they plan to achieve their goals of increasing revenue attainment. The number one response, better lead generation. And that means sales development teams are going to get the spotlight and alignment is a crucial part of their success. Because according to their responses, only about a third of sales leaders said they have a formal process when it comes to how they hand off leads between marketing and sales. That means two thirds either have an informal process or no process at all. To double down on the importance of SDR alignment, both organizationally and inside the department, Sales for Life found that the makeup of sales development teams are scattered. 17.1% are inbound, 28.8% are outbound, and 54.1% are a blend of both. These variances in go-to-market conversations and sub-teams is another important concept to consider when aligning your team. They all need to be prepared with scenario-specific messaging that's also a cohesive overarching message. Easier said than done, and these insights reflect that it's a major concern and focus for leaders in 2020. You obviously come from a very data-driven analytical background. Mm -hmm. You're working with a really diverse team, some who may be on that similar mindset and others who may not. How do you get 
the folks who may not be as data-driven and analytical to see your vision, see your approach, understand like why you may be making certain decisions? I'll just start by saying LinkedIn is actually extremely data-driven more so than any <laughs> uh, organization I've encountered, even as much as like Bain, to be honest, um, which I'm very fortunate about. That being said, there's always folks that see things in a different way. And I think before you start with like the hard numbers and the data, I think there's only just getting to a place of, can we can we align on like the key question and the earth of problem statement that we're trying to solve for? I would say that's like usually 50% of misalignment issues. Yeah. So starting with that, that's like half half the journey. And then after that, it's really explaining how you see the world and having data support it, not necessarily lead your mm -hmm. decision making, but just kind of support your kind of how you're seeing it. And then understanding and listening uh, to how others also see the world. Again, I, I do think most people support their assertions and their points of view based on data at LinkedIn. Also, LinkedIn um, invests in something called Data Driven University, DDU for short. Actually, it's a, a grassroots program that we created at LinkedIn, started by a bunch of employees, mm. some of whom you actually know. <laughs> and uh, they uh, created this like training. It's like a two to three day training the curriculum is developed by other LinkedIn employees and it's trained by LinkedIn employees, fellow peers that have a very strong data-driven background, usually have had either consulting training or come from a function that uses a lot of data. And uh, they train employees of a certain level and above. It's a great investment and you learn how to think logically or break down problem statements into decision trees or assertion trees. And how do you think about data? How do you analyze data? How do you glean insights and how do you communicate it? It's a huge investment that LinkedIn makes, but it helps because as a result, you have all of these folks throughout the organization of a certain level that are making decisions day to day that mm -hmm. have gone through that program. And so right. there's almost it's like this common language Shared that they're speaking. Yeah, too, right. exactly. And so when you're in a, meeting you might crack a joke like huh, as we learned in ddu which yeah. is for, uh, <laughs> like you know this is how we should probably think about it or this is one way to think about it and yeah. you know yeah. are they taking external applications because me and sheena we should start another business line <laughs> exactly <laughs> so do you see a lot of people even from the sales org sales leadership yeah. going through this program as well. Yeah, so it's actually started within the sales organization. Interesting, I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, so it started uh, with a few folks in cross-functional teams within sales that support sales. It's not necessarily sales leaders, but folks that were you know either in pre-sales or in sales support or operations. Mm -hmm. And now it's expanded to marketing, HR, to our recruiting organization. So we're, we're pretty inclusive of making sure that everyone has kind of access to that program outside of uh, sales as well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So we talked a little bit about alignment and partnering with your peers um, on the sales side and yeah. on the marketing side. What are some tactics and some things that you've been able to do to really ensure that successful partnership um, with sales? Yeah, so you cannot be successful in operations without a strong partnership with your cross-functional partners. Uh, and I think it starts with a mutual understanding that you guys are solving for the same thing. And so with sales, it's we're solving for growth and we're solving for making sure that the assets that we have, whether it be, you know, our budgets or headcount or whatever it may be, are allocated in a way that's efficient so that we can hit our growth targets or actually exceed them. Mm -hmm. And so having that like mutual understanding, like we're on the same page, 
we might see things differently mm-hmm. uh, to get to that end state goal. But like, as long as we're on the same page, like that clears the air for a lot of things in people's intentions. So that helps open and honest communication, right. has been really important too. I sometimes feel that ops versus sales or ops versus marketing mm-hmm. there or sales versus marketing. There could be tension, but it's not unnecessarily communicated that actually can get in the way of a lot of progress. Yeah, and so, absolutely. so open communication yep. that's supported by data, that's supported by mm. this notion of we're on the same team, right? Yeah. And this is what I'm seeing and it's not getting us to our growth numbers and we're both trying to strive for growth. So let's talk about what's going on here. So I have been hearing a lot about this role of sales strategy, mm-hmm. which I think that probably fits into a big part of what you do as well. Yeah. And the importance of that role. It doesn't exist in every company. <laughs> what is your view on this role of sales strategy and what does it look like in the coming years? It's so interesting to see the growth of this function in the last, I would say even like two to three years. Definitely. It's pretty incredible. Um, so it's, uh, it's becoming more popular and it, it, it makes sense if you think about it. So stepping back, if you think about some industry trends, one is technology is making things a lot more dynamic and more competitive and a lot more players are coming into the market. And so you just have to be able to pivot pretty quickly. And to do that, you need a really strong operations team and not someone that's like reacting or a function that's reacting to the status, is, but is able to look years out and be like, okay, we got to get to that place. Yep. And so you do need a very strong ops function. Operations should be about more than that, ensuring that we're doing that in year, but also thinking about how we're going to get to where we need to be in two to three years mm-hmm. or five years. The other thing is, if you think about it, for most companies, sales is like the most expensive line item <laughs> on their PL, right? Yeah. And so if you need to ensure that you're effectively using those resources and those investments, you need to be able to have a very strong operations and analytics function to ensure that you're actually getting the most ROI out of that function and you're ensuring that you're you are allocating resources in the right way. Do you have the right support resources for your sales organization? Do you have the right salespeople in the right markets? Do you have the right salespeople working on the right products? Those are questions that only you can really answer with data. And that's what an ops function does. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think more and more companies are starting to realize that and the value of that thought partnership with sales and with marketing and and investing more into uh, commercial ops or revenue ops or sales ops, whatever you want to mm-hmm. call it. What do you see as the role of advanced analytics, machine learning, AI in the function of operations? I'm embracing it. This yeah. is going to be awesome. You know, operations, we, we are looking at a ton of data. And actually at LinkedIn, we're looking at even more data because we <laughs> sit on top of a lot of data yeah. as yes. well, right? Yes. So, uh, which is so much fun and so great. And it makes us much more productive. But there's a lot that we could be doing faster with things like AI. So for example, forecasting. Forecasting, we actually do a pretty good job at LinkedIn mm-hmm. um, at forecasting, especially with our subscription businesses. We're very proud of that, but it takes a lot of time yeah. and a lot of work and it's done on a daily, weekly basis. And how cool would it be if we can just have AI kind of tell us like where they see us going? And it's super important to get the forecast right because again, that helps us drive to where we need to be next quarter, a year from now, whatever it may be. So we still have to do it, but it'd be awesome to have AI do something, some of that. 
without giving away too many trade secrets, of course, uh, you mentioned earlier, you know, looking at the next three to five years uh, at LinkedIn, what are some of the growth initiatives or maybe just like the special projects you guys are working on? So growth for us is going to come in like a variety of different ways. Um, but right now where we're really focused is we, we really believe that most of our growth is going to come from double downing on our existing customers. So just as a bit of background, you know, LinkedIn has a portfolio of um, different business lines. Mm -hmm. um, we're really fortunate in that way. Not just the consumer side, which I think a lot of folks mm -hmm. are more familiar with, but sure. we have a whole portfolio of B2B businesses and some of them are subscription businesses and some of them, and then we have one major media business which sells ads. And we believe that if we, on the B2B side, we double down on our existing customers by proving out customer value, giving away more customer value, that we can actually naturally grow our businesses. And this can come in the form of improving renewal rates by also having them buy more of the same product and then also buying a cross line of business, so a little bit more cross selling. So uh, that's really our focus right now is customer success, customer value, mm -hmm. delivery, making sure our customers are matched up with the right solutions and making sure that they're the right customer as well for LinkedIn. And then once they are our customer, making sure that they're successful on our products. And then from there, growth will naturally come from all those levers that I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. The second area, you know, as a consumer internet company, naturally as our platform grows in international markets, we'll see a flywheel effect where we're, we have more members and therefore our products on the B2B side become more valuable in our international market. So there's a lot of focus on mm. creating member value as, as well with uh, engaged members uh, in international markets. Mm -hmm. Which markets are you most excited about? Or do you think there's like a lot of opportunity in? Yeah, so I think that everything outside of um, North America is just, everything's exciting to be honest because we can add value, again, going back to our vision, we can add, add value to every member of the global workforce. So I think everything is really exciting. Specific regions that are most exciting, at least personally for me, is um, Europe right now. Mm -hmm. um, I think we're seeing a lot of growth there and there's a lot of opportunity there as well, uh, especially with kind of everything that's going on on a macroeconomic basis that I think we can add a lot of value for a lot of our members that are asking some key questions as it relates to what does it mean next for me as an individual? So, mm -hmm. yeah. We have a, a few leaders listening that are, are also in charge of the global team. What are some of the, like, the nuances or the challenges of going from North America to Europe? So uh, often, and I was guilty of this as well, by the way, but a lot of uh, the mistakes that I think global leaders make is just taking the North America playbook and just mm -hmm. porting it over. Mm -hmm. We've heard that before. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's a pretty bad mistake, but it's like, it's so easy to do given that North America as a region, by the way, North America for the most part is US and Canada and one language for the most part, yeah. um, you know, similar cultures, whatever. And so it's uh and this has a massive scale a lot of gdp and so it's just it's natural to be like we got this to scale so let's get scale it even further mm -hmm. and that's it's just not easy to do when you go to international markets you really do have to think about how you're going to operate in a subscale manner and the nuances of language language is like a big one which creates a lot of subscale mm -hmm. operating global team also with multiple time zones i know it sounds like really operational and tactical but it is hard yeah. right thinking about when are you going to have meetings when are you going to how are you going to be connected across the globe this is where culture and values actually become even more important even though everyone has their own cultural nuances and 
cultural identity. I think a corporate culture and a corporate set of values ensures that you can scale decision making and just operations in a way that is consistent globally. Mm -hmm. What's the single most important data to keep track of as a sales leader? That's really hard. Everybody <laughs> 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 says that. We, we, we That's really hard. So, so, uh, so I mean, I think it starts with understanding what are your priorities mm -hmm. as an organization, right? So sometimes, while it is like, oh yeah, let's hit our growth numbers or our revenue numbers, like it's more than that. It's you right. know, what are our priorities in a certain time frame, and based on that, what is your true north metric, and being really crystal clear on that. And then from that, making sure that you have uh, alignment across the organization and also have set like clear targets. Getting the metric right is more important than anything mm. I can say. Um, and getting that right up front and setting those targets up front, super important to drive your priorities. So rather than like one thing, I would say uh, figure out what your priorities are and then make sure that it's uh, you're tracking progress. I love when people give me a better answer than what my question teed up. Yeah, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe we should revise our question. <laughs> and the last one we always like to end on is, how would you describe sales in one word? Dynamic. All right, mm. I'll take it. We've gotten, I'm trying to think of some of the last ones. We've got challenge. We've had difficult, two back-to-back, yeah. two, -back, two sales leaders. One said difficult, and one said challenge. So kind of uh, same, same, same point, different side a little bit there, but awesome. Awesome, thanks so much, Lake. It was really fun to have you awesome. here. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks. Every week, we bring you a micro action. It can be as simple as something to think about or an action you can put into play today. Alignment was a clear theme in talking with Leka, and it's especially top of mind for revenue leaders as we approach 2020. In the spirit of alignment and focus, let's walk through a quick alignment exercise. First, and most importantly, what business challenges are you prioritizing for next year? This is your why, your North Star for all decisions that follow. Next, how are you going to track the success of this initiative? What metric is your compass for this journey? And what KPIs are your team striving for? And are they aligned with the overarching goal? And finally, what steps are you taking to provide a clear, transparent message to your team so they understand what the goal is and how you're going to get there? This is key for organizational alignment from your C-suite to individual contributors and everyone in between. This is the definition of people success ensuring your most valuable resource, your team, is aligned and heading towards the same goal or the same North Star. Did you like today's episode? Subscribe now so next week's episode will be waiting for you on Monday. And if you really like the podcast, please leave a review. Five-star reviews go a long way to help get the word out there. And if you're not ready to give a five, check out another episode and see if we've won you over by then. And if you have any feedback or you want us to interview one of your favorite revenue leaders, just email us at reveal at gong.io.